0: Hey, what's up, guys? It's is the Motorcycle Podcast with Tito. I hope everybody's having a great week. We're almost there. This episode is going to come out today, tomorrow, depending on what, uh, what outlet you're listening to, what platform you're listening to. But um, sorry, guys. I wanted to put out some more content this week, but uh, I had a very good friend of mine come into town. Okay. Um, I go way back with this guy. Me and him, uh, friend of mine, Mike. Um, we go back since MMI day one, Motorcycle Mechanics Institute, day one. And uh, it's almost like, you know, I always joke about the Marine Corps gods always kept me and some of my friends together or apart. And it seems like the motorcycle gods have always kept me and Mike in tow. Um, So I wanna talk a little bit about that, about building long-term relationships in the industry because the industry is very small from what I've learned. And uh, also don't burn motorcycle bridges. And then I'm gonna cover Tips of the week for sale, for sales going on, okay? So, leading back to the story of my friend, Mike, okay? Me and him uh, first met up with another one of our friends, Chris, at MMI. He started kind of running with us a little bit. Uh, Mike always had a really good head on his shoulders. And not only that, the dude was a phenomenal student. He took, like, student a course fucking 10 times or something like that. And he was really dedicated to the craft. And that's the kind of guy that he is. Um, I've talked about before surrounding yourself with champions or people that are better than you. Well, even though I consider myself, I was out of the Marine Corps, I had more life experience than him. He was a better student than me. And my buddy Mike, in a way, inspired me to be a better student at MMI. Because a lot of us as technicians or mechanics, if you have any kind of experience, you kind of get a little cocky and let that guy junior away in your journey in the motorcycle industry. And that was one of the things that always kind of kept me humble, was the the crew that I was around, because we did a lot of shit talking, we did a lot of trash talking, and we kept ourselves humble and in check, but it also allowed us to push each other further. Um, And you're gonna find this in the industry on the technician side and on the riding side. I'm pretty sure there's listeners out there, you guys have always had like friends that have pushed you a little bit beyond your comfort zone in riding. like no i'm just gonna stay in this well for one kudos to you because you got on two wheels that's already out of your comfort zone it's a very dangerous thing to ride motorcycles and have the confidence to do uh i can't even tell you how much of a confidence booster it is to ride a motorcycle anybody that's always you kind of felt like you weren't the popular kid or the popular guy you hop on a bike and people are kind of envious of you they see like man i can never do that You know, it's a way of staying humble and learning and always surrounding yourself with the motorcycle side and in life where people are always trying to keep you pushing and moving forward. And Mike was one of those people for me. Um, We kind of pushed it a little bit on the riding side a lot. A lot. You know, man, it may have uh, broken a few traffic laws here and there. (laughs) I don't know where I was or what time that was or how fast I was going, so I can't speak on anything. I don't even know what I was riding. So in case the court of law is listening. But, uh he was always a great guy and he came into town me and him we kind of followed each other away in the industry um when i left you know i'm I'm not gonna bring the long drag out story but keep it as simple as possible he you know we graduated he bounced back home up north i you know stayed at eagle rider because i had a good job there i was getting ready to leave eagle rider my first time i left the company because it's one of those things where it was just time time to go and i'll I'll bring that up in the don't burn the bridges (laughs) phase of this and uh, just so happened we linked up at the right time. He just moved back and I was like, hey man, you want my seat? He took it. Uh, I went and pursued Ever Endeavors when I was doing uh, working for uh, a dealership out of Lakeland and also doing some independent sublet work on the side in smaller shops. And then I came back and then fast forward to about two or three years later when I was a service manager and I got an opportunity to transfer here to Vegas when I was at the Fort Lauderdale dealership as service manager. And I was still driving from LA to Miami. I was in Texas when I called Mike because I accepted the transfer position in Vegas. And I called Mike and asked him if he wanted to step up. And he did. He didn't hesitate. He moved down. Mike is one of these guys who's always taking a challenge. And that's why it's like, I've, I've always, I've always uh, respected him so much because you're talking about, you know, somebody is pretty fearless when it comes to that. And, you know, uh, long story short, he left the company. We ended up working in another company together mutually, except he was at another dealership group and I was his boss at the time as a uh, director. And, you know, things things went the way they did, life happens. And, you know, I ended up not seeing my friend for a couple years. I never burned that bridge because, you know, I'm, I'm the type of person, if you're my friend, even though our paths may go away from each other for a while, eventually life brings you back together, especially if they're really good friends. And a lot of, I want to say 95% of the friends that i made in the motorcycle industry are just that much. I like to sit here and lie and say it's a hundred, but look, some people I've just lost touch with and you know, Hey, if you happen to be listening, Hey, call me, shoot me a text, send me an email or whatever. But uh, you know, me and Mike and a few of my other motorcycle friends that I'm going to have on the podcast later, we're going to be in the trenches. We've been in the trenches or we're not going to be, we have been in the trenches together working Sturgis, Daytona, where we're working until, you know, midnight, one o'clock to get these bikes ready because, you know, being in the rentals, it was, it was really, you know, rough and tough. It's fast paced. So I got a lot of friends like that and a lot of people to see them grow in this industry and to know they're still in it. It's, it's phenomenal. It's, it's great. Um, I didn't interview Mike because this was more of a homie visit. Sorry guys. I'd love to, you know, give you all the content, but sometimes you just got to put yourself aside and you know, I, I needed to spend time with my friend instead of doing podcasting. So I'm sorry if I took a couple days off. You know, also being you know stay home dad, it's a little fun sometimes. But uh, there we go. So that was the reason why I've been out for a couple days. But I'm back at it. Um, I'm motivated in it because I tried to do a podcast the night that he was getting here, and it felt really forced. I did an episode out in my garage. Uh, I was tired. I wasn't really fully engaged into the shit and. I listened to it and it sounded like shit. It didn't sound like a good energy. It didn't sound like a good flow. And I promise you guys, I'm always going to try to put out content that I believe in. Um, you know, it's a battle I've been having since I started this. And so maybe, oh, well, maybe I should follow somebody else's format. Well, if your formula works, fucking use it. So that's what I'm running with, guys. But to get away from friends, because like I said, I, I'm, I'm going to touch base on this a lot. I mean, you're going to hear most of the people that I'll be interviewing are mutual friends in the community and in the industry. And I'm telling you right now, I mean you guys want to talk about a network. Like I've already had my fraternity Marine Corps network and nothing can touch that shit. Sorry. I love my motorcycle friends to death, but nothing can light a candle to being a United States Marine and meeting other Marines that have come before me or have come behind me. That kind of fraternity, that order, it's it's nothing comparable. The closest you could get to it though is being a motorcyclist because Everybody out there is riding, and we're always on the defense, no matter if you're on a Busa, you're on a Bagger, or you're on a Vespa. <laughs> At one point in time, cagers or cars are going to try to hit you, and they're the danger out there. And you got to be a little bit more mindful about what you're doing on the road. Um, so that's that's one of the things that comes along with being in the motorcycle community, and especially when you start talking about shops. where. You know, you've been in that shop grinding out with those guys, kind of like, you know, being on deployment with some of your friends, you build some of the strongest relationships, at least in my experience, that's the way it's been. Um, you know, I felt the same way in the shop and I've always tried to emulate what I had in the Marine Corps as far as when I ran the shop or I was an NCO to how I ran my, you know, motorcycle service departments and parts departments. Um, there has to be a level of trust there, which brings me into my next topic. It's don't burn motorcycle bridges. And this is what I mean by that. From the customer side, you guys got to realize that sometimes dealerships get bought. Owners will bring in their own teams or bring in people. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you that everybody that owns a motorcycle dealership or buys one knows what the fuck they're doing. Because a lot of times, that's just a secondary gig for them. Um, you run into some motorcycle dealership groups. And I'm not saying all. I'm just saying some that you're running into they make their primary money somewhere else. They make their millions elsewhere. And the motorcycle dealership is just a side gig for them. So that's a really hard dealership to walk into because a lot of times what you'll see is you'll see an owner that's not fully engaged in the process. So guys are able to get away with shit and treat customers like shit sometimes when they shouldn't be at all. Um, but that that's just how the way the cookie crumbles sometimes. Um, but owners don't always keep dealerships. Owners sell. So. Guys, if you have a certain person that you like dealing with in that dealership, okay? Like say, you know, everybody else fucking sucks. I hate everybody except for my service writer. That's my guy. Get that dude's cell phone and contact him directly. And then at least keep some kind of relationship with your OEM dealership, okay? For me, my experience comes from two sides, as a customer and from, as an employee. And I'll tell you this much, as a customer, I try to emulate the same thing and not burning bridges. Um, I had to go up to my local Triumph dealership the other day, which is where I used to work. And it was a little weird. Okay. Some of the guys, they weren't sure if I was supposed to be up there, which I left on good terms. I don't know what the fuck, but anyways, and I kept my cool. I was really, I was really going to get real stupid and ignorant and anybody who knows me knows that I can, I could push those buttons if I want, but I didn't, I kept my cool. I was like, look, this isn't a time or place for this. I'll figure it out later. And thankfully, you know, um, general manager, service manager, I can't remember what his title is now. He got in a hold of me. He shot me a text. was like, dude, I'm sorry. You know, your business is always welcome, this, that, and the other. And you know, I went in there and I went straight to the person I was dealing with that I know. He used to work for me. Great guy. Sauce man. Love you, dude. Um, he took care of me. I paid my bill. Done. You know, I said eh, hello to a couple people. The cordial political highs, like, you know, it's like, oh, and then I left and left it at that. You know, if you want confrontation, you can find it. But that's not my objective was not to go in there and and cause confrontation. I've been in a situation as a director where there's people that purposely come in there and they cause confrontation. And this where it comes back to don't burn your motorcycle bridges as a customer. Don't do that. Okay, try not to, because. You're going to see in some dealerships, and especially in the industry now, there's really high turnover in certain positions, like your parts positions that are commission-based and some of the other positions. Um, so you're going to have pretty good turnover. There's a good chance the next time you go in there three months later, which is the average people going in three to four months if they're a solid like brick-and-mortar customer, not an online customer, um, you're going to see them about three to four months. And guys, I'm going to tell you right now, three to four months... A quarter is a lifetime in the power sports industry. A year at the dealership level feels like two or three. So there's a good chance you're not gonna see that same person that gave you lip. And my advice to you is don't go in there with the same attitude. Try to go in there with an open mind and don't burn that bridge. Cause I can tell you right now, at least this is the way I, I try to act in, in the dealership. I try to be as cool as possible and always make things happen for the customer. But the minute you start disrespecting my staff or you start saying like, oh, you're a lying piece of shit or this that, and the other, I'm sorry you feel that way. I think it's time for you to go then. Um, Because I just don't like having negativity in the dealership. I'd always try to take care of people. And there was times where I've been over backwards and it still wasn't good enough. But at least I always walked away with a clear conscience that I tried. Um, There's been customers I've had that they had problems with somebody in the past and they came in there. And me being the person I am and dealing with these situations. Perfect example. I had this guy. We'll just call him Frenchman for now. Frenchy came in, Frenchman came in and he just started cursing at me. You're a fucking lying piece of shit. Your guys are shitty. This, and the other to the point where I, I almost kicked him out, but I told him this because I wanted to figure out why he was frustrated so I can fix the problem. Cause I always feel like I could be a fixer. And I was like, Hey man, look, I don't know who you think you're talking to. You need to calm the fuck down. Can you go in there and chill out for five to 10 minutes? while I figure out what's going on. And I promise you, I'll come to you with some sign, some kind of news or resolution to figure out what happened. But when you come in here and you start yelling at my team, well, I mean, guys, look, employees are only gonna give a fuck as much as they're paid. So if you're talking about, you're in there yelling at a service writer, I hate to break the news to you, but the service writer doesn't run the show. In some dealerships, yeah, he's the primary, but in most dealerships you're going to, the service writer and control shit, so why the fuck are you gonna yell at him? Ask to speak to a manager, ask to speak to a general manager, ask to speak to somebody else and don't berate that person because that person for one is the one looking out for your best interest. A lot of times Uh, I want to say 90% of the times they're looking out for your best interest falling through just 10% of the time they're going to be upselling you because they have to, that's the way they're paid. Um, But how would you feel if somebody comes up to you and the first thing they do is they start cursing at you? Are you inclined to help somebody after that? Um, probably fucking not. And especially if you rely on them for some kind of service, no matter if you think they're suck or not, you still got to rely on them at some point in time, especially if they're your dealer. Now, if you got another dealer in your area, you can fuck with them, then go ahead and do it. You know, that, that goes back to the last uh, episode I had on last Friday when I told you go somewhere else because you're going to get a better quality of service somewhere else. You're going to feel better somewhere else. So why the fuck would you go back to somewhere where you don't trust and you feel miserable and it makes you pissed every time you go there anyways. Okay. Now I'm going to break into the second half of that employees in the power sports industry. So I've run into guys that have burned every bridge everywhere they gone and don't give a fuck. And the sad part is when you see those people later on down the road, if they still happen to be in the industry, um, dude, they're, they're cornered. They don't have a lot of options they're they're just kind of because eventually the word gets out because like i said the one of the things is i learned early on is the community is very small um i was blessed enough to know a few people and networking is key in the motorcycle industry that happened to introduce me to the right people to one day i was sitting standing and fueling in flip-flops and board shorts in oceanside talking to luke the owner. And I was just like a kid in a candy store. I felt like I was like starstruck. I, I've seen celebrities in airports and shit. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's cool. It's a Holyfield or so-and-so. Oh, that's pretty cool. And not going up and bother him. But when it's something you're passionate about, you really love, it was like, oh shit. Like, dude, I have your fucking products in my bike. Fuck yes. And to walk around that facility and the fact that he was so nonchalant and cool about it was, I, I can't even tell you how much of an amazing experience that was and how humble that was by that, that, you know, somehow... A mutual friend hooked me up with a mutual friend that got me in touch with him now fast forward a few months later i get a phone call one day at the shop okay and my parts manager at the time comes up to me and he's like hey tito uh daryl's on the phone for you i was like daryl like we we worked with somebody at the, at the time i had a similar name i was like daryl i was like you sure it's daryl or somebody else? dude it's daryl basani i was like what and i was just humble like why is, he, are you serious? I'm being punked right now. And I got on the phone. I was like, uh, Mr. Bassani. And I was like, no, nah, man, it's Daryl. And he was super chill. You're talking about the salt of the earth. I had a chance to meet him. And, uh, one of his executives work for him when they came out to Vegas. Long story short, just wanted to get hooked up with some bikes, uh, for a convention that was coming up, I had no problem doing that. And then I come to find out that this executive, I'm not going to name him because I, you know, I don't want to really name people too much unless you know them already. AKA either famous or I have their permission. So let's just say uh, this guy is an executive at Bassani and he happened to be a Marine. And he overheard me uh, talking to another jarhead that one of my club brothers came in. I said, what's up to him? And we were talking about Toys for Tots and stuff. And I was like, all right, well, I'll see you at the Leatherneck Club later. Figures, right? Me at the Leatherneck Club? Never. Um, and, you know, he approached me and was like, hey, man, you fucking jarhead. I was like, who's asking? You know, that, that fucking Marine kind of fucking <laughs> chip on your shoulder. He was like, uh, another fucking jarhead. I was like, with was 5, brother. <laughs> That's all it was. I was like, oh, shit, dude, I didn't know you were Marine, blah, blah, blah. We got to talking. Long story short, we ended up meeting up for a beer at the Leatherneck. And he taught me a very, very valuable lesson. He's like, dude, yeah, man, this guy got your name from Luke and so on and so forth and got your number. and Or he got the dealership's number, found out where I worked at and got the dealership's number and called there. And he's like, dude, yeah, your, your name's out there. The industry is about as big as this fucking pint glass right here. And that was a very valuable lesson. Hey guys, I'm back. Motorcycle dad podcast. Sorry. I'm having some technical technical difficulties. Not only did I take a phone call with this new fucking mic that I'm having, it's pissed me off right now. So I ditched it. Um, this is now the fourth take that I've taken of this, so I've gotten pretty fucking good at it. So, uh, let's keep going, guys. Don't burn your bridges, okay? I was just talking about, you know, Bassani, how they got my name somehow from somebody, and about the industry is as small as the fucking pint glass it is. Um, you know, I didn't burn my bridges at Eagle Rider, didn't burn my bridges at the last dealership group I was at. And there's a reason why, because you never know. You can think right now today, I don't fucking need you. Fuck you. I'm done with you. But eventually one day down the road, you may need them or you just may need a cordial hello or conversation with them or even a reference or referral you may need from them. And I'm going to tell you right now, me as an employer or whenever I hire people, if I ever saw gaps and I never saw like saw or got a reason why there was a gap there, it shoots up a red flag. So save yourselves the red flag. Think about yourself, your family, your future. And... Do not burn your bridge if you can help it. Now, if they spit in your kid's face or, you know, they stomp on the Bible or punch a baby seal, then sometimes you just got to fucking burn that bridge, guys. You know what I mean? <laughs> They're kicking kittens or burning or punching baby seals or they started an Amazon fires, you know, down in Amazon rainforest. Then, yeah, okay, you know what? Maybe you guys are fucking dickheads. I don't need to fuck with you anymore. But like the last company I was working for, I just took a phone call. A friend asked me if I can give him a referral, get him in at a place. I didn't burn my bridge there. I called the manager over there talked to him. And he was super chill, super fucking cool. And uh, you know he was like, yeah, man, tell your boy to come on down and we'll go ahead and interview him and go from there. Didn't guarantee him a job. That's what I wasn't looking for, but I just wanted to get him in there and all of that, associate him with my name and what people know. And that's another thing, guys, because you never know who you're gonna hurt later on. You may not just be hurting yourself or your family. You may be hurting the opportunity to help a friend down the road because I can tell you right now, if it was a shit employee that quit on me or did something dirty or they left a bad way and you're going to recommend somebody to me. okay? so you're going to recommend somebody that's just as shitty as you. Yeah, go fuck yourself. See you later. (laughs) Um, It's really important not to burn those bridges. Uh, When I left Eagle Rider the first time, I saw myself becoming a shit employee. So it was time for me to go. And that was the reason why I left, because I did not want to see myself turn into a shit employee and get fucked over later on down the road. So I decided it was best for me. I didn't agree with the general manager, didn't agree with my service manager. Um, so I bounced, even though I was, I was the shop foreman. I bounced, I went and pursued Deathers at other dealerships for a little bit. And then eventually I got a phone call from one of the owners of Eagle Rider asking me if I can go to Miami and straighten, uh, from his direct words, hey, I need somebody to go to Miami and unfuck that fucking place. And I was like, well, that's right up my alley. Uh, I speak your language. Let's go. <laughs> uh, I thought about it over a couple of days and came back to him on a Monday and told him, yeah, and I took the job and I never turned back. And the same thing when I left the company this last time. Now, unfortunately, I would like to say that, I would not like to, but i, I probably hate to say this, but I don't see myself going back there because I'm not saying I'm above them, but I'm, I'm kind of moved forward. But it's always nice because because I didn't burn a bridge, I'm able to have those relationships with people And I'm able to call some people and like, Hey, look, you know, I have a friend that could use some help needs. You know, he, he'd like to get in there and work with you guys. Would you consider him? Absolutely. You know, and, and to be able to help people out, that's the best part about it. So that's why I tell you guys, don't burn those bridges, keep them open. Okay. Uh, customer and employee, because people change, personnel change, ownership changes. You never know what's ever going to happen in your life that's going to bring you back to that. Like I said, unless they are the ones that spark the fire in the Amazon force or punch the fucking baby seal or kick kittens or, you know, they just went around taking Chick-fil-A chicken sandwiches and throwing them on the ground and fucking, yeah, unless they did all that bullshit. Don't burn your bridges because they may the be the most horrible people on earth to you at the time. But trust me. They have other things dealing with that you don't know about. And I'm not trying to say that to defend the way people treat people or the way owners run their companies. But in a sense, it's their fucking prerogative until you go and buy, you know, Tito's fucking motorcycle dealership or, you know, Bob Schmuckatelli's motorcycle shop. You got to respect those boundaries. okay, guys. So I wanted to touch on that. Now, moving to my next portion is money saving tips. Guys. Okay, interesting. Hold on. First of all, interesting news. It goes along with that. So, Revzilla is now selling BMW apparel and gear, meaning like, you know, t-shirts, hats, all that bullshit, watches, sunglasses, all the beam BM- all the beamer floss, James Bond shit, whatever you want to call it. Okay? They are now selling now they don't have everything on the catalog. I looked at the website to see cuz I remember being a dealer at the catalog we had. But they are selling stuff. It looks like a lot of overstock shit, you ask me. But that's the reason why you're getting better pricing on it. So I heard a little murmur about it and I was like, Oh, okay, whatever. But here it is, guys. You can now buy BMW, uh, gear apparel on Revzilla. Okay. Guys, Revzilla has got some killer deals. They're doing some stuff right now. Helmets, uh, jackets, 20 to 40% off. Now guys, mind you, you have to work for these deals. Okay. Because some of these 45 to 50% off sound great, but it's because they have an off size of a leather jacket, it's been around for a while, so on and so forth. So keep in mind, you may have to go to your cycle gear, your you know your local motorcycle brick and mortar dealership to try some of this shit on. And if you have a price in mind and you're gonna make your, if you're gonna go through the effort of going to the brick and mortar dealership and spending time there, at least have the decency, not just to try the shit on and then bounce, but at least try to see if you can get them to the price match. Be are like, look, man, I saw this shit online for, you know, you got it listed for $30. They have it for $24.99. Could you price match it? Um, a lot of parts managers and parts guys are starting to get a little bit more dynamic. Now, I can't speak on all of them. So, if somebody says, fuck no, then guys, I mean, you just got to take no as an answer sometimes. But if they're dynamic enough, they will match. As long as they're not losing money on it, and if it's sitting on the shelf... At least the way I used to treat it, I used to match it. I mean, shit, I mean, the internet is coming, guys. I mean, when the internet's not coming, the internet's fucking here. But motorcycle distributors selling parts online is getting more common and more common and the more educated you are as a customer and as an employee in the dealership, the more you can be ahead of it, okay? So if you know that you can afford, you're buying tires in bulk and you're getting great prices and you can afford to price match tires from RevZilla or you know, Rocky Mountain, ATV, or any of those places, then do it because you're losing the fucking business anyway. So if you're gonna sit there and be like, well, I'm not gonna make as much money. Well, guess what, motherfucker? You weren't making the money anyways. They're walking out the door to get on their fucking iPhone in their car and buy the shit. So why not price match? At the same time, customers be understanding if they're not willing to, because keep in mind, sometimes when they buy some of these parts, they are not bought at the best pricing for them or it was bought when the part first came out and it was a little bit higher pricing. And now you're seeing a discount because maybe the part didn't do too good or they had too many of it. So keep that in mind too. It's not that all the time that they're being a dick It's some of the time that literally if they price matched you, they would now be losing money and a lot of guys paid on commission that affects them because they look at their margins. So here it is. If I sell you this part, say I got a 40% margin and I sell you this part and now it drops my fucking profit margin to 38% for my entire department because I sold you this part at below cost. Well, I mean. When guys are paid on that, why would they fuck themselves? Would you do that? If, you know, no matter what your job is, not in the industry, you probably wouldn't. So try to be understanding that, guys. I, I mean, it's just the way of the world and how it is. So, um, but guys, definitely check out your online distributors right now. Um, Bluetooth uh, headsets for the helmets. Helmets. I've seen a lot of helmets. Jackets, gloves. Now's the time to stop. Especially you're looking at all this end of summer shit. Like I was talking about cooling vests, guess what? I was just on Cycle Gear, the uh, not last night, night before last, and they're, they took like $15, $20 off their cooling vest. It's the end of the summer, we just talked about that. So take advantage of those deals and be smart and think ahead, because you're thinking, oh, it's the end of the summer, I don't need this shit right now, but guess what? When you come to need it next summer, then you're paying full pot for it. You're gonna pay the $60 that they want for it, or you're, just, you're gonna have a hard time, you're gonna have to work a little bit harder to find the deals. Not only that, guys, think about this. Christmas is coming up. So, any wives are listening or anybody like that, you know, your husband wanted that exact helmet or that exact jacket or that exact cooling vest. Now's the time to get it. People have a tendency of putting Christmas off and, like, well, I'll just wait until they have a sale around Christmas. I'm telling you right now, guys, now is the time. And then put it away. And then guess what? Christmas time, you ain't got to worry about beating everybody up to go fucking find it. You already have it. So, keep that in mind too when you're thinking about buying gifts and such for people all right watch it with the jackets because a lot of times especially if you're going to a dealership to buy it if you're buying the last triple xl or double xl the likeliness for them to return it for you is maybe near fucks to none because if it's the last one they're already selling it to you at a super discounted rate you know like okay they're going to take it back so keep stuff like that in mind all right and then sizing because like i said a lot of times these bigger discounts are for parts and apparel they're all sizes like extra small triple XL or some shit like that. All right, guys, Uh, one of my. So that's that's my budget tip of the week as far as for shopping for gear and stuff. Another tip of mine. It's kind of a pet peeve of mine. Gloves, guys. Now's it's a good time of year to get gloves. Um, And a lot of I know some guys don't like wearing gloves. Why the fuck you don't? I have no clue because when you go down, statistically, that's the part that hits first. When you go down on a bike, you put your hands down first on pavement. Have you ever ran your hands across the pavement at 40 miles an hour and see what kind of fucking damage that does? Probably not. And you probably don't want to. So I like, I'm guilty of it. I'll ride with my, my boots, my jeans or Dickies, my, my cut, my leather vest, because I am in a club. And then I will also wear my gloves and a full face helmet. Now I know that's not everybody's style, especially some of the biker guys, you have a tendency to have shells and no gloves. I'm sorry. I've seen... I, not to be gross or anything guys, but I've seen people's faces ground off because they didn't want to be stupid looking with a full face. And I've seen people's hands go down to the bone and also footwear, wear proper footwear because I've seen a guy's foot come off, not trying to be gross or nothing, but I wish I didn't have this story in my brain recollection, but I did guy was returning a bike over there. Eagle rider, fucking semi-truck clipped him, came back. You can see the ankle coming out the bottom of his foot. You know we were there to help him out and give him some emergency like right away some some tri- triage right there like hey man elevate your foot focus on your breathing stuff like that um but he lost that foot and he was wearing sneakers so gloves and footwear guys keep them mind they have if you're a sport bike guy you're like man i just like wearing sneakers they have motorcycle riding sneakers So you'll still look cool, but at least your ankles and your foot is fucking protected. Okay, it was like Wu-Tang Clan says, protect your neck, protect your feet, protect your head. I always got the same argument with people when they wanted to get at me about, well, that helmet's $800. I don't know if I want to spend that much on a helmet. And I'm not saying everybody has to. I got a helmet right now. My new Icon uh, Airframe Pro or Air Pro. I can't remember the fucking name of it right now. I'll be honest with you. Got a new helmet. It was three hundred bucks on clearance, so I that's why I scooped it up. It's usually around I want to say 400 dollars. But I had people coming. Oh, I just want a hundred dollar helmet. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, hey man, but I got this on. What do you ride? Like, oh, I ride like a fucking you know, uh, let's just say our RSV4. They got a, a Aprilia, full leader bike. And I'm like, dude, you want to wear a hundred dollar helmet? You got a twenty thousand dollar fucking bike, and you you think that's all your head's worth? Like, what do you mean? I'm like. So you think your head, your brain, that's all it's worth is $100? And it, it, the look of their faces was always like, oh fuck, like, hey man, you got anything else? Like, try to hook me up with something on sale. And i give them to a decent helmet, something is gonna protect them. But I thought it was always funny, that people always wanna skimp on this shit that fucking keeps them safe and keeps them alive. Think about that for next time you go to try to be cheap about buying a helmet or buying some gloves. And I'm saying, because look, I'll be honest with you, I wear out here in Vegas in the summer. I could run no gloves, but I wear the, at least the mechanics gloves, the impact mechanics gloves, because at least there's something to protect me, you know, even though it's hot as fuck and stuff, it's something there. And that's what you need, guys. You just need something to protect you, okay? You don't need to be fucking MotoGP, Dainese, Air, or the Alpine Star Tech Air. You don't have to have that. Now, if you want it, then great. It's more protection. But at the same time, you don't have to have that. But sometimes just the essentials keep you safe. I've seen a couple wrecks where if the guy didn't have a helmet on, his head would have got cracked up. You know, Or you hear about it all the time. Anybody in the industry hear about these rallies where people go. And most of the time when they die, you hear it's because they went down doing 40. And it's like, you went down doing 40, but they smacked your head against the concrete 40 miles an hour and it killed them. So keep that in mind, guys. Get your gear. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, anything like that, concerns like you guys are... Gonna drop something into any mouse box. I don't give a fuck. But just joking. Look, guys, you guys have any uh, questions, topics you want me to cover, anything, please, please, please hit me up on my social media. You're gonna hit me up on Instagram, Tito CP702, or Facebook, Chris Tito T-I-T-O-Padia, Padilla, A. Or you just message me, text me if you know me, or some shit like that. Uh, I want to give a special shout out to two guys I went to MMI with. I I gave a shout out to my boy Mike earlier, but I want to give a shout out to my boy Jamal. Dude, man, this guy used to cut up all the time. I miss kicking into the parking lot with you, dog, and talking shit. Oh, you just want to think you want to listen to my podcast, huh? Huh. And then uh, also a cat named Mason. Mason, he messaged me really humbled. And another guy who used to work for me, Pepe. Dude, I appreciate all the feedback, guys, and you guys listening. It, it humbles the shit out of me. So uh, look, everybody have a good weekend or whenever I see you, I see you. Peace.